0: Support for Talk of the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits to strengthen Maine's economy by focusing on education, leadership, and quality of place on the web at maincf.org.
1: The time is 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at weru.org. Talk of the Towns with your host, Natalie Springle, is up next. And like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and our colleagues. This is Natalie Springle, guest host for this program. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. This morning, our topic is sea vegetables, or seaweeds that you can eat. Sea vegetables have long been a staple in diets the world over and are growing in popularity in Maine. Our show today, A Consumer's Guide to Maine Sea Vegetables, is all about how you can find and eat sea vegetables. We are joined in the studio by three people who know an awful lot about seaweed and have worked hard to make sea vegetables a part of the Maine local foods discussion. My guests in the studio are Sarah Redman, a seaweed specialist with the University of Maine Sea Grant and Cooperative Extension, Liz Solette, Maine sea Coast, uh, with Maine Seacoast Vegetables in Franklin, and Hilary Kraft, a health and movement educator and the creator of the Maine Seaweed Festival, which we'll learn all about. So let's start with um, an overview of what do, what do we mean by sea vegetables? Sarah, what do we mean by sea vegetables?
2: Hi, Natalie. Thank you. Um, sea vegetables or seaweeds are general terms for the large marine macroalgae of the sea. And um, sometimes they're referred to as sea plants, but they are different than land plants in that they are the part of the algae. And um, when we say seaweeds, we're sort of including all of the marine macroalgae, and these Seaweeds are divided up into three different groups, browns, reds, and greens, and they are harvested and used for different reasons and different purposes. And so when we say seaweeds, we can sort of envision all of these macroalgae together. But when we say sea vegetables, we are talking more specifically about the seaweeds that we use for food or nutrition.
1: Great, thanks. Um, So Liz, you uh, actually no. let's start with Hillary. Um, You are a health and movement educator. Yes. So tell us how that connects to seaweed and how you got into seaweed. There you go.
0: That's where it connects to seaweed for me personally. Um, uh, In another life, within this life, 10 years ago or so, I owned a spa and movement center in Freeport, and uh, being the owner and operator, it was very... um, fulfilling to my soul but stressful as well and I ended up um, coming down with a nasty case of shingles which if any of you listeners know is not pleasant um, very painful and for me, it was personally embarrassing because I'm an esthetician and I have this nasty skin thing. What's and going tell on? Tell us what an esthetician, an esthetician is. Esthetician is a skincare therapist. Great. Nice big science word for a skincare therapist. Um, so I ended up, it ended up being a, a blessing uh, within a curse. I decided to close my spa and really dedicate myself to the healing journey. And I have a deep, deep belief that the body can heal itself if listened to and given an opportunity to heal, and I started just delving into what natural therapies are helpful to shingles, and seaweed just kept coming up and coming up, and I thought, well, I have an abundance of that here in my own state let 's give it a try and I began not only consuming it internally but um, bathing in it and immersing myself in it daily and that was just such a beautiful relief and it ended up really healing me um and it my favorite um my favorite applications for that would be just because i know listeners are like well, what did she pay then um i was gonna ask yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm ahead of you. um would be a variety of different kelps i played around with everything um Irish moss and bladderwrack were also very helpful to me um, in addition with maybe a little apple cider vinegar which is alkalinizing Um, and so all of this started happening I started healing and it was wonderful and then I took a trip to Ireland to visit my distant relatives and my suspicions were confirmed it was amazing to watch this culture who deeply respects the healing benefits of seaweed and still uses it as a daily ritual in their healing and their their just normal lifestyle Um, grabbing large amounts of fresh seaweed and hauling them into um, their local spas and immersing themselves in these baths and it it just blew my mind, but it confirmed this as well for me, and so I came home more passionate than ever to immerse myself in the seaweed movement, to understand it, to learn about it, and um, really to become kind of a activist for it here in our <laughs> <Ireland> own state.
1: <laughs> That's great. That's great. What a great story that you came to it from a really personal journey. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz, now, you come at this from a completely different angle, I think. You work for Maine Seacoast Vegetables, which is here near here in Franklin. Um, tell us a little bit about Maine Seacoast Vegetables and how you got connected to the whole world of seaweed here in Maine. Hi, Natalie. Thanks.
3: Um, so, I just want to say that it's Maine Coast Sea Vegetables, and Great. people say that. Maine say Maine Seacoast Vegetables, so... Thanks um, for the clarification. Company, ...but um, it's Maine Coast Sea Vegetables. And, uh, I've worked there for going on four years, um, but about 20 years ago when I was in college, I uh, did a project on the medicinal uses of seaweed and uh, kind of had forgotten about it in the meantime. I'm, uh, I'd say I'm a person who's curious about pretty much everything, so I've done a lot of different things um, with my in my life, but um, when I came back to Maine and came to work for Maine Coast Sea Vegetables, I rediscovered my absolute fascination with seaweed and... Uh, Also recalled that when I was also when I was in my 20s, I when I would come back to Maine to visit my parents, I would often drag them out to places where seaweed was found and sometimes bring back gigantic pieces of kelp to put in the bathtub, (laughs) which uh, my mom reminded me of when I was uh, much older. Um, So I uh, just a, a real fascination and a curiosity about seaweeds. They're pretty amazing organisms.
1: Great, I'm looking forward to hearing more about them. Um, and Sarah, you, um, you work in the world of seaweed as an extension associate for Sea Grant and Cooperative Extension. Tell us a little bit about what you do.
2: So my brief story about seaweed is um, I, when I was in high school, when I was about 15 or 16, I decided that I wanted to be a seaweed farmer when I grew up. And so I went to school for aquaculture um, and found that nobody was doing it in Maine at the time. So I had to wait a while. And um, after about 10 years or so, the the time sort of came to be the right time. And now I am working as a marine extension agent, um, figuring out how to grow seaweeds in Maine. So what we do is we take our native species and um, we seed them in a seaweed nursery onto lines, and then we are planting them out to sea on farms and really trying to figure out how to grow seaweeds uh, through aquaculture and marine farming in Maine, which is a really exciting um, new opportunity for the state in terms of being able to produce more of our native sea vegetables on farms and opening the doors for um, new products and businesses to be built out of that and then have new diversification opportunities for um, farmers and fishermen on on the sea and
1: this is probably a question for all of you um how are seaweeds used this is sort of the first question. We've heard a little bit about some um, health perspectives um, and clearly people eat them and we live in Maine. So everybody knows that people throw seaweed on their gardens, but tell us a little bit about how people use seaweeds. Um, Liz, do you want to take a crack at that?
3: Sure. Um, well, Maine Coast Sea Vegetables primarily sells uh, sea vegetables as, as foods in various forms, um, but in terms of the whole seaweed industry um this will give you an idea of the the wide variety of uses for seaweed um uh, and the products that are available um they're used as whole foods they're used as ingredients in foods and food products um they're used uh to make supplements that are for humans for animals um, used in agriculture and horticulture Um, Sometimes they're used as extracts that that may be used medicinally. Um, They also may be used um, to grow plants or to feed animals. Um, And uh, what am I missing? Um, Oh, as well as um, Hillary touched on body care, Um, seaweed has tremendous um, properties that can be both healing to the skin and nourishing to the skin. Um, And uh, many cosmetic products can have seaweeds as ingredients. I'm sure I'm missing something. Anyone want to jump in?
2: Well, there um, is a whole global industry using seaweed extracts, um, and these extracts are the polysaccharides pulled from the cell walls of different types of seaweeds. Uh, these are primarily the uh, alginates, the agar, and the carrageenans, and these extracts can be found in, in our daily personal products that we use, um, and have a wide range of applications for their gelling and stabilizing properties. And so in terms of, uh, seaweed products, that's sort of a, an extract in a whole nother industry that's used, uh, all over the world and, um, can be found in things like ice creams and printing inks and, um, uh, food products, and frozen foods and all sorts of different applications in, in those industries.
1: Great. So we might be eating seaweed and not even knowing it.
3: I think um, it's safe to say that everyone has eaten seaweed because of uh-huh. those extracts, because it is in so many products that we commonly use um, without, without realizing it.
1: Great. Yeah. What would you say, um, Liz, are your customers? What are the, how are they using the seaweed that they're getting from your company?
3: Um, let's see. Well, we, we started initially, manco sea vegetables started in 1971 um, and um, started with what we call whole leaf, sort of more traditional forms um, where the seaweed is harvested and dried um, and then used um, in cooking and eating. Um, it varies from things like dulce and even laver or, or even sea lettuce that can be eaten sort of as is. They're, they're thin sort of leaves. Um, that's the way the seaweed grows. And so they, you know, you can just pop dulce in your mouth and eat it as a snack. Um, Two things like the kelps and Alaria, um that require some soaking or cooking because they're, they're quite tough if you just try to chew them. Although we do have some customers who swear by just taking a piece of kelp and put it in their mouth and they almost like jerky and they'll just chew on it for a long time. Um, so it's, it's definitely a wide range. And we have people who have been using our seaweeds for decades. Um, to people who are brand new to seaweed and call us. And sometimes we joke that uh, we feel a little bit like the seaweed hotline because people ask us every kind of question <laughs> you can possibly imagine about seaweed. Um, but that's one of the fun parts of our work, I would say. Um, and it's great to see people who are in, uh, just discovering seaweed for the first time and wanting to feed it to their families, you know, their children, um, use it themselves, use it for healing, use it for nutrition, um, whatever.
1: I have a seven-year-old who is a huge fan of just chomping on nori sheets, and when we go down to the shore, I encourage her and she likes to taste whatever's on the shore, um, which is somewhat fun. Um, But which leads me to another question. Um, uh, Hillary, when... you sort of discovered this world of seaweed and you commented earlier that we live in an area where seaweed is pretty accessible. So what did you do? How did you know what you could go gather? Did you go gather yourself or did you go to a market and pick it up? How, how did you go about that as yeah. a as a budding seaweed consumer?
0: Well I was gonna add that I am also a Maincoast Sea Vegetables uh, customer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically where I, I went for my source because I trust them and I was a novice and did not know how to harvest my own seaweed at that time um thankfully i've been guided by sarah (laughs) in that and now can um forage although she's always bringing me fresh seaweed so i don't ever need to do that (laughs) thankfully um but i I would say if you're if you're not um sure to 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 access your seaweed from a trusted source such as main coast um and they offer so many beautiful different uh, not only varieties but but um options in that you know i could get whole leaf or powdered so the powdered mixes really nicely into a bath of maybe with some salts or sugars and um and but then it's really fun to also bathe and wrap yourself in whole leaf because for me it just there's something very sacred about it it's a it's a return to nature and and to that beautiful ocean that we are blessed to live here near in maine
3: And those um, some of those gels and extracts that Sarah mentioned, when you when you take seaweed and you put it in the bathwater, they the seaweed expands as it rehydrates and releases these gels. And it's absolutely amazing what those gels feel like. And they're so um, nourishing and soothing to your skin. Um, But it's it's kind of hard to imagine how amazing that gel is until you've experienced it. And that's a use that I would highly recommend.
0: Oh, yeah. Once you try it i we'll never <laughs> go back to regular bathing again. <laughs>
2: uh, I would say, um, too, we, we do have a number of really great sea vegetable companies in Maine. And Maine is actually a leader in the U.S. in terms of having a traditional um, wild harvest industry. And so we have um, quite a few um, wild harvest companies that sell um, dried sea vegetables. So... A quick Google search will bring up a number of companies for if you're looking for a source of seaweeds, uh, it it is recommended that you go ahead and and research the companies that are out there and providing um, clean, safe uh, seaweed to get started on. And you can find these at most of your health food markets and at some of your local grocery stores. Um, And you can always order all their products online. And they all have really great um, resources on their websites in terms of what they are and where they come from and how they're harvested and how to use them.
1: And so it sounds like there's sort of two sources. You can either go to your local health food store or co-op or place nearby to purchase what is on the shelf. And you might end up with some great stuff from Maine Coast Sea Vegetables and other great companies in the region. Um, How many companies do you think there are in Maine at this point who are selling seaweed products?
3: There are about a dozen, um, like give or take one or two. Um, there's about a dozen. And as Sarah said, they range, um, not all are our, our food, uh, like human food producers. Some produce ingredients for other products. Um, about half of them are um, primarily focused on food products. And they range in, you know, there's um, sort of almost one person operations to um Nothing that's really super large, but um, small to medium-sized businesses, I guess I would say. But there's a great diversity within the seaweed industry in Maine in terms of um, business models. Um, you know, the size of the business. Um, one one theme, though, I think that really is striking about the seaweed industry in Maine um, is it's. Uh, I, I think it's relatively unusual in terms of sort of the breadth and the depth. Over, and especially the consistency over time in terms of how committed people who run seaweed businesses in Maine are to sustainability and to the value of the resource, not just as a moneymaker, but as a something of beauty, something that is beneficial to people and to animals and plants and just a deep respect for this natural resource that these businesses are based on. Um, and that that struck me when I first started working in the seaweed industry in Maine, um, just how, how strong that commitment is. And, um, and I, you know, I have great respect for the people that I have uh, interacted with who run seaweed businesses in Maine. Mm -hmm.
1: That's great. That's great. Um, So, so getting your seaweed from one of these businesses that sell to consumers is one way you could get it. And then another way for folks uh, is when they're out on the coast um can i just harvest my seaweed when i tell my kid to go ahead and taste that (laughs) irish moss am i making my seven-year-old break the law what's the (laughs) what's the situation there with foraging
2: so in maine um anybody is allowed to take up to 50 pounds as long as it's not for commercial use or um for sale but for personal consumption per day without a license if you do want to harvest seaweed um and sell it, then you need to get a seaweed harvester's license from the Department of Marine Resources, and you can find that information online on their website. As a forager in Maine, um, it's important to remember a few things. Um, One is that it's important to know the water quality of the area that you're harvesting in, and you only want to harvest clean, attached, living seaweeds for food. And, um, you want to be very mindful of your impact on the area and, uh, sort of general rule of thumb is only take a small percentage of whatever seaweed species in that area or in the bed and don't take more than you need and, um, be very mindful of the ocean itself. It can be ever changing and, um, dangerous at times. And, um, but Maine has a wide range of interesting and and unique sea vegetables. All sea vegetables are edible. None are dangerous, except for there is one type of uh, what's called acid kelp. It's a sort of stringy brown, uh, kind of yucky looking seaweed. So you probably wouldn't want to try to eat it anyway, but um, all the other seaweed species are fine to to nibble on and try. Um, But in terms of, of... Foraging uh, Definitely, if you want to figure out if the water quality in the area that you're interested in looking at is safe, you can use the Department of Marine Resources website, again, as a resource. There's, um, they monitor water quality for shellfish harvesting, so you can look at the um, water quality guides online, and there are maps that will show you whether the area is clean and safe for harvesting or um, closed for um, pollution reasons.
1: So, if you are someone who normally checks the um, shellfish, shellfish hotline at the Department of Marine Resources, that would be the same resource that would help you figure out if it's okay if the water is clean enough to harvest. Yeah,
2: but it's important to make the distinction. There are two types of closures. One is for um, the uh, the shellfish toxins, and mm-hmm. one is for bacterial um, pollution concerns. And so, the shellfish toxins shouldn't affect your seaweeds. So that is sort of a separate kind of closure. So you want to look at the bacterial water quality.
1: Great. Thanks for that clarification. And um, another question is um, when you talked about sort of paying attention to not over-harvesting in a particular area, um, uh, one question is if you want to harvest kelp, um, should you harvest From the holdfast, which is the part that attaches it to the rock, or should you harvest from somewhere along the stem and then will it grow back? Mm -hmm. How does that work?
2: So um, for the kelps and... Most of the seaweeds, the general rule of thumb is harvest above the holdfast and actually leave um, several inches of blade. For the kelps, they grow at the base of the blade, so at the juncture between blade and stipe. So if you harvest above that about 10 or 20 centimeters, that is the area of active growth and that can grow back. And so a lot of these seaweeds, what you can do is just sort of clip off the tops of the plants and leave the... hold fast and the the base of the plant intact and it can continue to regrow great
1: I can't wait to go back out and start harvesting (laughs) um if you're just tuning in um you're listening to WERU community radio on 89.9 in Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor and in about five minutes or so we'll start taking some calls and I'll share that number with you in a second Um, and one of the reasons we want to encourage our listeners to call in is because we want to talk about recipes. And we're pretty certain that there are lots of you out there who are already dabbling in um cooking and eating and drying and doing all kinds of interesting things with sea vegetables, and we'd love to hear some of your favorite recipes. We're going to ask some of our guests for their favorite recipes as well. Um, but before we go there, um, it's I wanted to touch a little bit on how sea vegetables fit into sort of the growing local foods movement that's happening in Maine. I know, is it this weekend or next weekend, Maine um fair. fair is happening in Belfast and there's all kinds of events popping up, up and down the coast related to eating um close to our local land. Um so I just wanted to kind of hear from you guys how, how seaweed fits in. Hmm. I'd like to
0: mention uh that one thing I am really passionate about um creating awareness around is um we are we are so Um, focused on superfoods and supplementation in our diets these days to gain better health and really seaweed covers all of that seaweed is a superfood it's our local superfood right here Um, it also has for me it is my multivitamin it is my omega-3s um And one thing I really think that's so cool about this being in the local food movement is that as we look at being in the state of Maine and celebrating our seafood and fisheries, this is a way for all to be included, including vegetarians and vegans. And we can all celebrate seaweed and, um, sorry, seafood (laughs) Um, and uh, participate in supporting our fisheries. So that to me is... uh key point to mention
1: so uh, you just used the word fisheries so it's interesting to think about seaweed i think most times people might not necessarily think of seaweed as fisheries but clearly it's a product from the sea um so we're looking at it as a fishery
0: mm-hmm. absolutely
1: um and um liz you've you work with main coast sea vegetables which i think has been around for a how many years did you say it's been around for a while um, what are some of the changes that you've seen in terms of the the role of sea vegetables in local foods and mm-hmm. um
3: yeah Manco sea vegetables has been around since 1971 and uh i would say i mean i've been there for almost 4 years so my personal view is uh, is somewhat short but um you know hearing a lot of the stories and, and about changes over time and what and what i've seen um is seaweed has gone from sort of being a really really niche um, product, um, people who are um, uh, mostly uh, on you know specific diets like a macrobiotic diet or or um, um, s- seeking it out for some specific reason. To I think that seaweed has awareness to seaweed has really broadened in the past. I don't know, certainly the past four years that I've been at Manco Sea Vegetables, but I I would even say much longer than that. Um, And um, interest in seaweed has really increased, um, you know, to the point where we at Manco Sea Vegetables have, um, we we haven't had enough of a supply of some popular things in the past few years from sustainably wild harvesting to meet the demand that we've had. Um, So, and that's partly where the dovetail with, seaweed aquaculture is really important and why (coughs) that's so exciting because, um, you know, we certainly don't see abandoning wild harvesting. It's a traditional... Um, practice it's it's um, it's very important to us and um, to many other companies, um, but aquaculture I think is really important to um, continue that tradition of sustainability and be able to to meet growing demand in a way that is ecologically sound and um, and benefits main benefits main communities and main people. Um, you know sometimes seaweed aquaculture can be. And I think Sarah could talk a little bit more about this than I can. But um, some of the efforts are are combining s- growing seaweed as well as growing other um, marine products like shellfish, and that can be ecologically really beneficial. But is but also allows can allow fishermen harvesters to to diversify their what they're doing in the course of a year. So their income streams, their um, you know their their uh, um, harvest, so that they're not as dependent on one or two things. Um, So that's that I think is a really beneficial change that's happening.
1: Great. Thanks. Um, Sarah, we do want to hear a little bit more about aquaculture. But before we jump into that, um, I just want to invite folks to call in um, and share some questions or comments that you have for the, the folks on our show, as well as some ideas about how to consume it or how to cook it or how you you and how seaweed plays into your life. And our phone number here at the station is 207-469-0500. That's 207-469-0500. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about what's happening um, in terms of the the growth of aquaculture and seaweed. how, How prolific is it? What's its role on our coasts so far?
2: So we're in our fourth year of growing kelp, and we started with uh, sugar kelp, and um, really just learning how to do it. We're really starting at day one, and um, building our capacity on the on the nursery level to be able to seed lines and get them out into the farm and figure out timing and seasons and harvest and um sort of all those questions around farming in order to be able to pr- produce the best quality product so we've grown sugar kelp now for four years um this year we grew aleria which is another type of kelp and that was a first for us and uh, it was very exciting to be able to have a new crop and then um We'll be working on um, new species as well. We'll be working on our native nori species, which is uh, Porphyra umbilicalis. And we will be working on our dulse, which is the palmaria palmata, that's a red seaweed. And um, trying to improve our seeding and growing capabilities with with the kelps. So right now it's really um, sort of a development phase. We have a number of seaweed farms the um, sort of leader in this is is a company called Ocean Approved down in Portland. They have a number of uh, different sites where they're growing uh, kelps right now. And then we have some new people that are um, trying to grow seaweeds and trying to figure out what their um, planting and harvest and uh, tending schedule is going to be and exploring new um, ways to sell and use the products that they can grow. So it's, it's very, um, very much a learning phase for us right now, but uh, we're learning quickly and we are growing a lot of seaweed out there. So it's something that um, it's really, it's an exciting time right now to, to be in the world of, of seaweed aqu- aquaculture and seeing how that's opening up new um, opportunities for, for people is, is going to be exciting to watch in the future.
0: And I just want to add that these beautiful, beautiful kelps that are growing on these lines right now are some of my favorite, favorite products to consume. There's something about them that just there's a delicacy there. Um, and as an artist, um, which we haven't mentioned, using it in art forms, um, it it is just the most amazing um, fiber to use in my, in my art right now. So I just, I, I, there is a difference. There's a different, obviously uh, there's a difference, but I, I think it should be celebrated and highlighted. And it really is something to um, get your hands on. If you can demand
1: it so we can (laughs) supply it. (laughs) That's a great point. Yeah. How much of a
2: demand is there? It's part of the, um, the fact that not a lot of people realize the amazing, resource that we have right here. People are more familiar with seaweeds, our sea vegetables, in terms of Asian cuisine. They're um, Most people have had seaweed salad at a restaurant or they've eaten sushi and, and they're familiar with no, the idea of nori rolls. Um, but what, what we're really trying to share and highlight is the fact that we have a number of, of really amazing um, sea vegetables right here in Maine and just trying to share that with, uh, with people and uh, just show them how to use it and how to cook with it and give them an opportunity to try it. And the, the um, reception of that is, is amazing. amazing. And people are very, very interested and they want to know more. Um, so I think it's just a matter of, of education and awareness and, and getting the word out there.
1: Well, that's exciting because um, I want to hear a little bit about how to cook with it. Um, and so... Um, I want to hear one of your favorite recipes from each of you. How do you like to eat it?
3: Um, well, let's see. I, I love dulse, and dulse is one of those um, sort of thin, leafy sea vegetables that um, I mentioned before. It's red, as Sarah said. It, I mean, it's one of the red sea vegetables, but it's um, sort of reddish-purple to pink in color. So it's really beautiful as well. Um, it's great just to snack on right out of the bag, but um, um, if, you, if it's... A smoked, which Manco sea Vegetables makes a smoked dulse product. Um, it is really, really wonderful in pea soup. So that is one of my favorite uses. And I am an omnivore, but I have a lot of vegetarian um, friends and I love to cook vegetarian food as well. So um, I experimented with that and it's a, it's a great way to make, give that smoky flavor to pea soup without adding um, bacon or pork or an animal product.
1: I went to uh, New Brunswick recently and I um in the grocery store, just at the, you know, sort of big grocery store chain, found that they were selling dulse, um, and came home with a couple bags, and so now I know what to do with it, which is great. <laughs> We've been eating it out of the bag, but I'm looking forward to actually cooking with it. Um, how about you, Hillary? What's, what are some of your favorite ways to eat sea vegetables?
0: Um, I have so many favorite places. <laughs> it's really hard. I was like, what am I going to share? But I find this, um, my favorite, because it's it's just so friendly for all particularly children um this is one that i've made with kids a lot and it goes over um with great success is a sea smoothie mm-hmm. so really this can be any of your favorite smoothie recipes and just taking a little bit of um i i i, I vary i even actually sometimes put dulce, which can be a, a stronger flavor mm-hmm. but um you know if you have like some pomegranate or strong berry flavors it kind of adds a nice um and a little hit of sweet and salty um, nice. but I really a dab will do you too um, that was one thing I've realized in teaching um, seaweed education is people don't know how much to use and so a teaspoon or two really is all I add to my smoothie and it has all the nutrients that I need for the day and, and I'm on my way and I, you can pre-soak if you want to do that but I, because it's a liquid application I don't see any need for that and so I just put it in dried and whip up the Vitamix.
1: Great. Great. That sounds really good. Um, If you who are listening have any favorite ways of eating seaweed or questions about how to cook the seaweed that you have purchased or harvested, um, give us a shout. The number at the radio station here is 469-0500. That's 469-0500. Sarah, how about you? How do you like to eat it? And I know that you eat it in all kinds of different ways because (laughs) I've had the great joy of eating what I think, if I recall, were kelp dilly beans.
2: Kelp stipe pickles.
1: Kelp stipe pickles. They were really good. Dilly stipes. Dilly. Yeah, there was dilly taste kind of in there. Yeah. Um, So give us, tell us what what your favorite recipe is.
2: So I have um, a number of jars uh, at. At hand in the kitchen, um, it's. I find it really easy to to have flakes um, on hand, and it's so easy to just add it uh, a little bit to all the food that you eat to sort of give it that extra hit of of minerals and nutrition. But um, I tend to my one of the my favorite discoveries that that I've uh, found is to make a grilled cheese with dulse, with whole leaf dulce. There's something about um, that melted cheese, and then you put that dulce on the oils, and it soaks it up and sort of melts in with the cheese. It really gives it that extra sort of um, saltiness and and um, kind of um, satisfying um, another level to the grilled cheese. It's just a really easy to try to try. That sounds great.
1: That sounds great. I'm excited to have now two recipes yes. with my bag of dolls <laughs> from New Brunswick. Um, I think we have a caller on the line. Um, so uh, welcome to the show. And if you want to just state your name and um, share your comment or question. Hi, this is Anna. Hi, I, Anna. Um, I
4: have a question, but I just realized I have a recipe. <laughs> great. Um, so my question first is um, I was gathering... Uh, like bladderwrack off the shore uh, for gardening, and it was—it had—it was some of it was bright green, like Kelly green, which I hadn't really seen before. And I was wondering if anybody knows why it would be turning that color. That's a great question. I was like a little concerned about pollution or something, but I just wanted to know if anybody knows.
3: Was it uh, definitely bladderwrack, or, or or could it have been that there were some other sea vegetables? Or no,
4: did, yeah. it
3: was just that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, seaweeds sometimes when they're well, not sometimes, but when they're cooked, they can. Many of the kelps turn a bright green, so I don't know if somehow oh, they it was hot. in warm water at you know got stuck in a little pool of water and at low tide and it was a hot day I don't know if that could have turned it green does bladder
4: rack turn bright green when you cook it I haven't noticed
3: that yeah that's a good question I've actually never used bladder rack that way so I don't know for sure
4: (laughs) Uh, so I boiled it up one time to make like a liquid kelp for my gardening Mm -hmm. but it didn't turn bright green so you don't know do any
1: of you have any sense?
2: I mean, if this was just stuff that was washed up as rack on the shore, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I mean, exposure to, to light and bleaching and drying and then being rained on again will can affect the pigments and pigmentation oh, of okay. seaweed. So, yeah, you can get a whole variety of different colors.
4: Yeah, I never had seen that before.
2: Yeah.
4: So, um, this is the way we've been eating Great. Uh, sea vegetable lately, is just using the um, like granulated kelp and powdered dulse, um, we uh, dry fry pepitas um, and then add dulse and um, soy sauce and and throw it onto our salads and it's really good.
3: Mm. That sounds great. And yeah. Thank really you simple. for that.
4: And you can put it in, you know, make a bunch, put it in a jar and just throw it on your salad. Mm. So That's great. It's a good way to nab the sea vegetables
1: without any trouble. I'm seeing a lot of nodding in the studio right now. I'm like a recipe that I haven't heard of. Wow. (laughs) That's great. Okay, well, thank you. That's great. Thanks for your call, Anna, and and good question. And I believe we have another call. So, caller, if you want to share your name and um, give us your question or your comment.
4: Hi, my name is
1: Claire, and um,
4: my concern has to do with... um, you know, I'm aware of how healthy and nutritious uh, seaweed and sea vegetables are and seafood for that matter. Um, But I'm also aware that there uh, is a lot of mercury contamination in the Atlantic Ocean and in particular pockets along the coast. uh, It's very, very bad. And I'm wondering if there has been any studies or um, quantification of whether mercury uh, is
1: contained in the sea vegetables that's a that's a really great question um claire and thanks for bringing it up and i know that um liz and her team at main coast sea vegetables have been paying a lot of attention to this because it obviously impacts potentially impacts the industry um so liz what do you want to tell us a little bit about what you guys have been up to on this front uh, well, Manco Sea
3: Vegetables has um, done testing of um, our products for many years, and including testing for mercury, um, and we have um, never seen... A detectable level of mercury you know and the testing can detect a very very tiny amount of 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 mercury so it has never been an issue in our products that we've seen in our test results which you know we're very grateful for because obviously it is an important issue um in the marine environment um so you know we've been we've been in good shape
2: on that that's reassuring
1: yeah. <laughs> it, yes, it is. I agree. For us as well as you. Yeah.
2: And I would say uh, Minko Sea Vegetables is a great resource if you go online to learn more about what they test for and, and sort of what they look for and their results. And um, they've they just been a great resource on, on, for those types of questions.
1: Um, Since we're on that topic of the resource, do you want to share the website where folks can find more information about that testing?
2: Sure. Um, Yeah. Our
3: Maine Sea Vegetables website is um, www.seaveg.com. That's S-E-A-V-E-G.com. And we have a lot of information on our website um, from... Um, information about products and nutrition and um, the testing that we've done and that we do. Um, and many other companies have uh, websites as well with a lot of good information. So um, many people in the seaweed world in Maine have been learning about seaweed and gathering information for a long time. Um, so if you explore other companies' websites, you'll also learn a lot. Um, and along that line, um, I neglected to mention earlier that there, there's also a Maine Seaweed Council that I think all of us in the room are part of except for Natalie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the Maine Seaweed Council was formed in the early 1990s and it is made up of um, many companies as well as scientists and um, advocates for um, seaweed and marine enterprises in Maine. Um, and that website for the Seaweed Council is www.mainseaweed. And on the Maine Seaweed Council website, you can also find links to not not all of the companies in Maine, but most of the companies in Maine. Um, There's a link and there's a a list of council members and uh, most of them have websites.
1: Great. Thanks. And thanks, Claire. That was a great question. Um, So uh, one question I have uh, about um, preparing it is um, oftentimes when I have seaweed, I see sort of white stuff on it. And I'm curious what that is. And if I should rinse my seaweed, if I should dry my seaweed, which is, what, what do I how do I prepare it to um, make sure that I'm not losing any nutrients?
3: I, uh, this is uh, one of our seaweed hotline questions at Mango Sea Vegetables. <laughs> we get this one a lot. This is a, you know, it, it's it's understandable. You look at something and it has a white powder on it and you think, well, maybe that's mold or something like that. Um, but with sea vegetables that are dried, it, it is 99% of the time it is, um, they're inside the seaweed. There are salts and sugars in the cells and on the cell walls. And um, when the seaweed dries, those salts and sugars kind of precipitate onto the surface. And that's almost always that is what the, those white, that white powder is. And it can even look very crystalline and fuzzy almost, um, especially on the kelps. So if you, you certainly can rinse that off. Um, It's really up to each individual person. Um, You will lose a little bit of the nutrition if you rinse it off because those salts and sugars are, are actually very nutritious. Um, But the, um, but it's really personal preference and there's still, you know, is a lot of nutrition inside the plant, you know, even if you do rinse it.
2: Great. I would say that um, there's a couple of different ways to go about preparing seaweeds. A lot of the sea vegetables come in a dried form and so um, you can either reconstitute these by soaking them in water either overnight or anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour Um, and the seaweeds will reabsorb the water and expand and then you can chop them up and use them like you would any other type of vegetable Um, or you could sort of roast them in an oven at 200 degrees for a few minutes and they'll get very, very crispy and it will be a lot easier to crumble them up. And then you can use it more as a seasoning. Um, it's easier to sort of just sprinkle into the food. Um, the, uh, the kelps are used as um, sort of, I think about them as like a vegetarian soup bone because <laughs> you can make a really nutritious, um, hearty, satisfying broth by uh, taking a strip of dried kelp and um, simmering in water. And that's actually the basis of the Japanese um, dashi broth, which is a very common um, basis for all their foods. And uh, so there's a number of different ways to prepare um, seaweeds.
1: Great. Thanks. Um, If you're just joining us, uh, you're listening to Community Radio, WERU at 89.9 in Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. And our show today is about a consumer guide to seaweed and sea vegetables. And if you have any thoughts that you wanted to share with us and with our folks in the studio, the number here at the station is 469 Ze500. that's 4690500 I could talk about how to cook it all day because that just seems really fun um, and it's about to be the weekend so there's lots of time to do it um, but I have a question about ecology um, what's the role of seaweed in the ecology of the intertidal and the near
2: shore environment So seaweeds are found um, anywhere from the intertidal that way down to the subtitle depths. And they are uh, extremely important on the um, shore of our coastline. They provide habitat and food and play an important role in biogeochemical cycling of nutrients. Um, So as part of the ecology of the marine system, they're extremely important. Luckily, they're also very prolific and fast-growing, so they um, are constantly in, a, chain, in a, a state of flux in terms of there's a lot of seaweed that that gets um, removed by storms or ice damage. They live in a very extreme environments, but they're so productive, they're able to um, quickly recolonize and regrow and recover. So it's um, a really just amazing role that that they can play and how uh, resilient they are to those extreme changes.
1: Yeah, they they must be considering the extreme of our weather between, you know, ice in the winter and hot summer days. Um, Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Um, What are some um, historical uses of seaweed? How how did people used to use them that maybe they're not as much or... um, some, some different ways over the course of time on the coast of Maine that people
2: have used them. There's a traditional um, pudding that uh, even people today, they remember their grandmothers making. And this was um, made by boiling uh, Irish moss in milk. And what that does is pull out all the all the carrageenan from the moss and uh, thickens the milk and you add vanilla and sugar and you have vanilla pudding so it was sort of like the original vanilla jello mix or something Um, and it's a relatively easy recipe you can still make at home today Um, it's been used for all sorts of things um, for insulation in houses for roof thatching um, always for mulch and fertilizer in the garden um, for fodder for animals Um, for packing and uh, still used today for things like clam bakes and lobster bakes Um, pretty much everything you can think of seaweed is seaweed. useful for. Seaweed does everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I made some, some Blanc Mange a bunch of years ago. I found the recipe in the Yule Gibbons book. Mm. I can't remember what it's called, but it's about his foraging on the coast of Maine. and um, It was fantastic, and it was surprisingly easy to make. Mm-hmm. I just went out paddling at low tide and found some Irish moss and came back and made it and um, added a lot of maple syrup <laughs> 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 to kind of masks for that salty, salty taste. It was delicious, though. Um, I think we have have another call um so caller if you want to share your name and your comment or question
5: yes hi my name is johanna valenzuela thank you for having me on the show thanks um that book by the way is stalking the blue-eyed scholar yes, yes that's it thank yes. you my husband and i adore his collection um the recipe i was calling in with was just um a mere suggestion of adding the sea lettuce and possibly probably other kinds I like the mild taste of sea lettuce to my kimchi or any sauerkraut or fermented vegetable I might be making it just um, adds a little more color to your concoction and obviously nutrients Um, just don't let it ferment too long I think it it exudes a little too much slime but what I usually do at three days of fermentation it just
0: it tastes great. It just adds a nice little texture to everything. That's great. Yeah, and I'd actually, I love that. Um, I often use um, seaweed in my ferments as well, and I was blessed to um, take a class with Sandor Katz once and the fermentation god, and uh, he's a huge advocate of using seaweed in all ferments to add minerals. And um, But one other thing I really learned that was really cool about seaweed um, in ferments was its probiotic nature and that it contains um, specific strains of probiotics that are released when- And what are
1: probiotics? Probiotics,
0: uh, well, healthy bacteria. Let's okay. just simplify Thank it you. that way. <laughs> um, that when in the gut um, start to release other healthy bacteria that actually are otherwise not really accessible, and they're kind of dormant, say, in their sleeping. Um, so this is also why sometimes when people get into eating seaweed, it can upset their stomach a little bit in the first few days or, or weeks of eating it, and then you become accustomed to it um, because it wakes up these healthy digestive enzymes and bacterias and, and really um, creates a beautiful, healthy ecology in the, in the gut. So I just wanted to mention that to fermentation uh, enthusiasts, that this is actually a very, very beneficial ingredient to add to your ferments.
3: Great, thanks. And I would also add that um, the, the Earhart family,
0: who uh, started
3: Manco Sea Vegetables and, and runs it, um, uh, they make a kraut with kelp in it, actually, that is absolutely delicious, and I've dabbled in, in making that as well. It's super easy. It's the same idea that you're talking about with the sea lettuce and kimchi, just chop it up and add it to the ferment, and it adds, you know, so many minerals, and, and that it just adds to that wonderfully complex kind of salty, briny taste um so that's another easy way to to add sea vegetables into your diet
1: mm-hmm. thank you so much for your call that was a that was a great recipe um. Sounds like a really good one. Um, So one question that I had is uh, sort of a... a What's a good resource for folks? We've mentioned a whole bunch of different species. um, And unless you're sort of versed in the intertidal zone, it might be sort of hard to keep track and figure out, well, what what should I harvest? Um, Do you have any good maybe field guides or resources you might recommend? A a book or a website where people can learn a little bit more about what what grows here in our backyard on the coast of Maine?
2: Yep. uh, If you look on the maine sea grant website there's uh, an older maine sea grant publication um, on seaweeds in maine and that's a free download pdf file and then there's also the maine seafood guide which is on the maine sea grant website and that includes some of the um, sea vegetables that we have so that's one resource
1: so if folks went to the maine sea grant website they could use the search function and enter seaweed and those resources would turn up and that website is seagrant.umaine.edu.
2: And um, I also don't don't want to forget to mention um, to sort of share our um, enthusiasm and and uh, excitement and celebration about sea vegetables and seaweeds in Maine. We're going to be having the first ever Maine Seaweed Festival this summer mm-hmm. in South Portland on August 30th, and that's going to be at uh, Southern Maine Community College and the website for that is seaweedfest.com. And Hillary is organizing that event. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, that'd be great. Tell us all about it. Um, Yes, it is an educational
0: celebration, all things seaweed and really, this kind of ties together all of my experiences of seaweed and what i want to share with the world it has so many diverse applications it is unbelievable to me and and even in within this segment i've learned new ways so i I just i think it's so great when we start to share these stories and educate and create awareness around this um it's also going to be a celebration of of maine seaweeds and our industries and, and aquaculture efforts that are going on here in in maine um But I really encourage you to go to the website, check it out, sign up, because we're going to continually update you, so it's always fresh information coming at you. And if you want to... uh get social with your seaweed um, please follow us on facebook and twitter and instagram and um, I, I do want to add that within this seaweed fest thing um, we're really starting trying to start this movement when i mentioned before about how everyone can celebrate the seafood and fisheries here in maine uh, including vegans and vegetarians um, we've started a little movement called seafood saturday So uh, hashtag Seafood Saturday. Share your pictures with us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And I I just really want to get that moving Seaweed is
2: seafood, too. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And tell us the Seaweed Festival website one more time. The Seaweed Festival website is seaweedfest.com. And the Maine Coast Sea Vegetables website?
3: Um, Seaveg.com, S-E-A-V-E-G.com.
1: Great. Thank you. We um, have come to the end of our show. Um, We've come to that time when I'd like to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major education outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Knock on a Balnane House Highland music recording. Thanks to our guests in the studio. Um, we had Sarah Redman of University of Maine Sea Grant and Cooperative Extension, Liz Solette of Maine Coast Sea Vegetables and Franklin, and Hilary Kraft, who is the creator of the Maine Seaweed Festival. Um, thanks to those who listened and called with their questions and experience, and special thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. Ron Beard will be back next month. This is Natalie Springle, guest host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning.